0: Said we used to be consultants. We were like a boutique developers, usually solving like complex communication problems that required complex engineering. We realized that we needed to create books, presentations, business development tools, and we expected this to be off-the-shelf stuff. And then uh, we realized it wasn't to be that simple. I like to learn web development by doing WordPress stuff, so I'm very fond of what
1: WordPress stood for. It seems like times has changed. Hey, this is Brian,
2: and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Knut and Simon from Sanity I.O. Or actually, it's I'm adding the I.O., but you guys probably call it Sanity.
0: We say sanity I.O. or sanity interchangeably.
2: Okay. I wasn't sure if that was like so 2016
1: of you to add the I.O. or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for marketing purposes,
1: we say I.O. but I guess it's sanity.
0: Yeah, when you when you okay. name the like a, a proper noun, then maybe you should add the IO just to make sure it's the product we're talking about. Yeah, not the concept.
2: Simon, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then can you then you go to introduce yourself and talk about why you guys are here on JFSEC Radio.
0: Yeah, hey, I'm uh, Simon, and I uh, I'm the CTO of Sanity IO. My background is a, as a programmer and a designer, I guess. I've been a consultant engineer since the. Mid two thousands, early two thousands, but usually until now working as a consultant and as a kind of hired gun, and now for the first time in my life in a product company.
2: Yeah, oh, congratulations! Thank you. And then Kadut, you want to explain your background too as well?
0: Yeah, so I currently I'm
1: a developer advocate at Sanity IO. I used to be. I'm I'm almost a PhD in the comparative religion. Okay, uh, which is the reason I'm now a developer advocate.
2: <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it sounds like a lot of relative uh, background uh, to go into
1: writing code. <laughs> but uh, I guess I've dabbled in HTML and CSS since I was 15, so that's why I'm here. Excellent. So Simon, you were talking about marketing,
2: and uh, earlier, do you want to pick up what is Sanity, and uh, like why and where did it come
1: from? Yeah, so Sanity.io, it is a hosted real-time backend for structured content. It comes with an open-source editing environment that you can customize in React and JavaScript. And you can host it anywhere we want, like on Netlify or on your homegrown server, as long as it speaks HTML, we can serve it.
0: Perhaps Simon could talk about why it's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, so we used to be consultants and... uh we are like a boutique developers, usually solving like complex communication problems that required complex engineering. So kind of a bespoke solutions. And then we got a call from the OMA, the Office of Metropolitan Architecture, uh, the office of Rem Koolhaas. who's a really famous architect, that we actually like, personally were really fans of him. And they wanted a new website. And we weren't usually making website as such, but this was such an interesting company. So we decided, let's uh, explore this. And they actually had a really interesting problem because they have been at it since 1979. Really interesting projects, Uh, many seminal projects that are still really interesting to students and researchers. So this was about kind of presenting their entire history and also marketing kind of their services, of course. So we realized that they needed to create books, presentations, business development tools, and also their websites from the same source. So we thought like, we need a proper content link solution where normal people can craft their content and then uh, it will appear in some kind of presentation-independent manner that we as programmers can then transform into uh, PDFs or uh, PowerPoints or uh, these kind of search tools. And we expected this to be off-the-shelf stuff. We just thought, that we just go on the market, we'll find this somewhere, uh, and we'll buy it and we'll provide it to the OMA after we customize it somehow. And then uh, we realized it wasn't to be that simple. The market didn't really provide any of this at all at that time.
2: That's interesting that you say that, because it sounds like this um, office, they had no web presence at all, is that correct?
0: Oh yeah, they they used WordPress.
2: Okay, because I was going to ask, why was WordPress reached for?
0: You're right, they had a web presence. It was uh, an old WordPress site. I think any kind of uh, seasoned developer can empathize in kind of taking over an old WordPress site can be kind of a nightmare. Yeah. But the worst part is that, of course, this kind of highlights the problem because they had a lot of information in there old, fantastic buildings with super small images cropped to the specific design that they were using at the time. Every piece of information, like super relevant things like the program, as they call it, the architecture, the sizes of areas, the architects and partners involved, all of this was kind of basically just running text impossible to parse or redesign or kind of repurpose in any manner. It's basically just Word documents, in a sense. Yeah. So what we really wanted was to be able to structure all of this content so that we can uh, curate it based on these kinds of, like, give me all the buildings that are retail spaces that are in the Far East, that are drawn by this architect. Like, obvious things, in a sense, for a database engineer, but very new to the CMS space. Yeah. We were surprised to learn. <laughs> uh, so they agreed to do a total rework of their content. And then we realized we just had to create this tool. So there's actually one more thing that we needed because we felt that uh, I think with WordPress, you can do this. There were some headless CMSs coming out at the time. These were all totally hosted things that were totally kind of locked in. But as consultants, we were really into being able to handcraft also the authoring experience. We really wanted, like we usually interview both the people actually buying our services but also kind of uh, auxiliary people involved like all the stakeholders i guess it's like a called a stakeholder analysis i guess in the in the business so that we know what everyone needs and then we want to craft exactly the workflows that they need and that required us to be able to go into the authoring interface and that was very often impossible in this kind of more future-leaning services. So that's why we made sure that uh, we wanted the entire authoring experience to be open source, even though the backend was hosted and uh, kind of proprietary. So this is what we made first for ourselves. And then we realized when we did the same thing later for DSNR, Deliverance in New York, through the Highline Park. And then we realized, okay, this product doesn't exist still, like two years later. So now we're just going to do this thing, and then we will double down, and we will transform into a company that just makes this tool. So that's when we kind of created Sanity IO.
2: That's pretty cool, and uh, I want to come back to the open source part that you mentioned. But I'm curious, uh, can you remind me what date this whole... Walkthrough and this discovery was like how long ago was this?
0: I think we are like 2014, 2015 when we started kind of uh, the all my exploration. Okay, and then we launched the kind of self-service version of Sanity uh, in November 2017. Isn't that right, Knut? That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because like you're you're working with these architectures or all these designs and the architecture of the web. I'm just sort of reiterating. They started WordPress. How everything was working there, and it seemed like the industry moved away from that. And uh, so it sounds like Sanity essentially is providing sanity for future developers to not be stuck in some sort of architecture you can't actually add onto. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's a very important part. Like one of the first kind of post-it notes that went up on the wall when we decided to product, like make this an actual product, was the thing you should always be able to move forward. We really wanted to be able to kind of move forward, re, never have to backtrack. And then uh, this is a lot about being able to model your content, knowing what it means. For example, never cropping an image to a specific design, being able to kind of have the raw image there to reprocess it whenever you need it. These kinds of things, thinking that kind of deeply, never having HTML, not even having Having the ability to have HTML in your content, but still being able to have all kinds of custom kind of components and stuff inside your content. Because even from the beginning, we needed to be able to make the books, of course, and everything else from the same source. Our first influx of clients are, are people who are unable to create apps or set-top box uh, things on top of their content because they have HTML in it. So it was kind of our first use case. But there are several other things, of course, uh, that we are useful to. I just want to mention, like now we are like giving
1: WordPress a bit of a hard time, perhaps. yeah, way, implicitly. And but I must say I like learn web development by doing WordPress stuff. So I'm very fond of what WordPress stood for. Yeah. It seems like times has changed.
2: Yeah. And I think part of the issue is that a lot of times developers get so stuck in the previous versions that it's hard to upgrade. So we just had uh, Paul Bigger from Circle CI now with the he's with a new company Darkling, and he's starting this whole other thing because we went on this long tangent. So listen to that last podcast that's <laughs> going to be in the in your feed that came out before this one. But uh, we had this tangent about like hotels, and when you go into a hotel, you have those alarm clocks, and it's all those alarm clocks that have the old iPhone four dock, and <laughs> all those are out of, out of place because those alarm clocks built their entire ecosystem around this one thing. But they never have learned how to be flexible enough to change that in the future. And it sounds like a lot of these Jamstack architecture products and features, including yours, are trying to future-proof so no longer you're stuck with that same dongle. Or you have to, like right now I walk around with my iPhone and I have this little iPhone jack dongle that goes into my iPhone Thunderbolt thing. Like Yes, that is a bridge, but it'd be nice in the future that we would no longer have to worry about docks. And I think that's where we're going with hardware. Like I have very few things I can plug into my computer because I don't have the USB-C thing. But uh, I think hopefully with Sanity and some of these other projects, like that's, it's the same thing. Like Let's not attach ourselves to a dongle or attach ourselves to a framework or a process. Let's move forward. And I think with WordPress API, I think a lot of people are attaching themselves to WordPress because there's a lot of access with developers there that we can just move forward but still use a cool thing like WordPress.
1: Also, if you have an iPhone, why do you
0: need an alarm clock? <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> This is the truth, yeah. Uh, I personally don't, but the hotels definitely have them in every single hotel I go to.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. But we call them a lot of clicks, but they're actually speakers that we can't use. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think you make a a great point that the uh, the whole kind of Point here is to be able to mix and match technologies and not kind of be stuck with, because kind of the worst part of an integrated thing like WordPress is that when you pick it, you pick all of the things, right? You pick the templating and you pick everything as in in one kind of bundle. The awesome part of the WordPress tradition was that you can customize everything, and we try to kind of that with the open source uh, studio experience. That's what we try to preserve the ability to really kind of get into that and change it and, and make it yours. But then, still being able to, if you prefer to then write your frontends in PHP or JavaScript, or if you actually need it to be in Rust on an embedded toothpick, whatever I know, I don't know, you should be able to consume your content. We often say, like, To our early clients, we we told them like you don't know like you come to us for like books and uh, and a website, but actually you don't know where you're going to need your content, so you should really think about crafting your content in a really like thinking about it in a tactical and strategic sense, not in terms of being like web content or content for my book. So exactly like I said, being able to move forward both with your like where you use your content, but also like with how you integrate your content into your organization. We have talking to loads of people who let's say like in the in the old kind of paradigm of CMSs, the CMS is web specific and it kind of made sense because you had like a you had InDesign, the people who did print did that. You had WordPress, I guess, or or Sitecore or something. The people who did web, they did that. And then you have several like medium-specific tools, and it was how we did things. And then kind of the vision, and I think it's obvious to many organizations. I mean, we need to centralize the kind of organization and collaboration of the content into one place. And then of course distribute it back into where we need it because we in one sense, we don't shouldn't need to redo. Like, if you're a property developer, you shouldn't have to redo your content for print after you did the website of your property. You should have that be one job, and this, of course, that's obvious. But then, how to do it? And this is kind of what we and, and others in this field are are solving.
2: Excellent. So, Knut, you're a developer advocate at Sanity. The Sanity has been around for a few years, as we discovered here in this conversation. So, we we mentioned open source a few times. I'm curious: is your role tapped into the open source element, and also like, what is open source? Is it Sanity as a whole, or is it just the plugins? Like, what sort of infrastructure are we talking
1: about? Yeah, so when people use Sanity, it's like you use the APIs, and that's like on our hosted backend. Yeah. So that's not open source, but what the editors are using and what the US developer mostly are configuring and customizing is the studio, and that's open source. That's the React app. And we have a lot of tooling around it, like how to render this non-HTML-rich text. Then you need some tooling to, to make that simple, to have it in React or Vue or whatever. So all that stuff is open source. We try to make as most of the things around available for people. And we also made the studio so that it's supposed to be possible to like just switch out parts of it. So the studio architecture is, is actually just a collection of parts that you can like rip out and replace it with your own stuff. So what we have spent most time on now is to like stabilize the APIs inside of the studio. So this should be simpler and easier for people to do. And people are starting to like do it, right? The write plugins, publish them on NPM. And that's pretty awesome.
2: That's that's pretty cool that the studio is pretty customizable because I know. When I approach like creating a new Jamsack site, I think every set I do, mainly because I don't work at an agency, so every set I do is usually a new idea I have. So I always have another constraint mm. that I have to figure out. Like one being, I started a whole another podcast and had to do a podcast site, so I had to go find out all these different Gatsby plugins and then I had to learn about Gatsby plugins and all this other stuff. And it was a nice little rabbit hole. So I assume sanity. It's like it's another sort of path to find out the ecosystem and the community around that.
1: Yeah, one of the first things I did with sanity before I was like hired, I used to work on a web agency. I did a really lot of work and tried to recreate the content model for podcasts as iTunes wants them. and I did that in sanity and I published the content model, like just the field definitions on NPM. So now you can write in the terminal sanity install podcast and have all like the setup going for you. And I also wrote like a serverless function that takes that content from Sanity and turns it into an RSS feed. Okay, excellent. So it's like a JAMstack podcast RSS feed thing.
2: Yeah. So like two of the things I need most out of all these blog templates
1: is uh, are these sort of out-of-the-box experiences is literally just those two things. We did a sponsorship of another podcast called Syntax. I guess we can do a shout-out to Syntax. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> to give them something to talk about, I, we made this podcast studio for them and imported all the syntax episodes. And then I found like a React port of WebAmp. No, or WinAmp. It's called WebAmp. So it's like this complete React-based WinAmp clone that you can run in your browser. And I just put it into the studio. So now we can also write Sanity install WebAmp and get like this WinAmp thing. So... You can do stuff like that because you, you want FinAmp in your CMS, don't you?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> let's bring that back. I think Windows is cool now, so everything that we had
0: on our Windows machines. Windows is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's retro. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to be able to do like fun things like that. And also, it's really nice to be able to... So we did a proof of concept for a healthcare provider, and they had these kind of manuals, this kind of uh, diagnostic manuals for processes that they were running. So, I would just write a small plugin to kind of represent uh, this reference from the manual to the diagnostic codes. So, like boring, but stuff that kind of really integrates into their workflows making sure that every time they mention this diagnostic code it's a reference to this specific point in the in the manual instead of just being this kind of uh, free text and then when I was to show it to them I realized like this let's, let's bring up this diagnostic manual for lung cancer and then we realized that actually the diagnostic code for lung cancer had changed so now this was for mouthwash so then this kind of uh, simple Plugin that we could write would actually expose these really grave errors in their content that they weren't able to catch before. So this kind of, to me, it was like, this is something really powerful to be able to kind of really implement their workflows and their way of thinking in their content studio so that they actually, I guess my point is that these workflows really matter. This isn't just kind of garnish in terms of uh, making it cool and nice. It really changes how people work and the quality of the content and the kind of uh, efficiency. They're able to achieve.
2: Yeah, that's it's interesting. You bring up the term workflow because I think a lot of what I do on the back end, I tend to do the same thing over and over again. Like I need sign in, log authentication. Like if I do on a podcast, I need the same models. Like I don't run a lot of podcasts, but you just tend <laughs> to you do what you know previously. Especially as like uh, if you do do a lot of consulting or contracting, like you tend to reach for the same tools and then pick off the shelf. So it's cool that this tool like Sanity is now existing for us, and all these different workflows and plugins uh, exist for us to tinker with. I'm curious if you have like a, a one stop shop, a place that someone who might be listening and wants to get started with Sanity can go to look for.
1: Actually, we launched one today. Oh, nice. Good timing. So we are not tired at all. <laughs> <laughs> so we launched something called Sanity.io slash create. So you can go in there and you can just get up and running with like a complete website running on Sanity on the back end. We have examples for Gatsby, and Next, and Nuxt. And it's like a blog portfolio, a landing page generator, and event side. And there will be more... As we go along, so there's a place to to start, and it all sets up on GitHub and Netlify, and uh, it's
0: it's fantastic. <laughs> We're kind of trying to bridge the gap a bit because the entire Jamstack paradigm is, is awesome, but also can be a bit kind of daunting in terms of like you have to make a lot of choices, you have to assemble a lot of parts. So we realized uh, actually going to our first Jamstack conference. Our job here is to empower people to be really uh, like effective and not like spend their time, I guess, configuring Netlify or Express servers. And this dream was kind of sparked on the first Jamstack conference. So, like we want to be able to have these kinds of developers be able to just click one button. We make a lot of choices for you. Then, like we pick Netlify, we pick a few frameworks that we really think are great. And then we just assemble everything for you. And then, of course, from that point on, you're totally free, of course, to change anything you like. But then, at least you kind of you have a fully working modern web stack up and running in, I guess, a couple of minutes. Right now, it's fifteen minutes. We've been stressed out. But uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be two minutes.
1: Excellent. And <laughs> also, it's something that we built because of all the questions we have gotten, like in our community. So we have like. Nine hundred developers in our Slack community today, and they are asking, like, how do we actually build a proper content model for landing pages? Or uh, how do we structure this and, and that? And how does Gatsby work with APIs and stuff? So we have tried to like make some answers, some best practices for that and like embedded that in these examples. And of course, you should take these examples and make them your own. That's the whole point.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a big question that comes up a lot and especially with doing this podcast as well as like speaking at some of these Jamstack conferences. Uh, a lot of people want to try this out or spit a hack day on this or prototype a new thing to see if this is going to be better than whatever doing today. But if it's going to take, you know, an hour from start to finish to figure this out or even like take an hour just to figure out what the Jamstack is, like then we're not doing anybody any service. So having more and more quick starts, workflows, tutorials, things out there for people to tinker and have the aha moment, I think is uh, pretty vital mm-hmm. to keep this community going.
0: Agreed. Another thing that's kind of plugins here, we're talking about user interface plugins and and I guess uh, schemas like data models, stuff like that. But it's a very important part of our dream was to be able to integrate your content with other services. So one thing is, of course, the front-end is one service in a sense, or the kind of presentation of the content but uh, very often uh, your content exists in some kind of context you we, for example we we are working with a tv distributor that then has kind of content providers that give them let's say they they for example have the entire catalog of hbo so they get kind of the, the program data about game of thrones for example but then they want to customize these content with some i guess some curation some priorities this is the featured content maybe even override something like we have a norwegian actor who plays the viking in game of thrones so you might kind of, you might want to highlight that so they then kind of integrate the content APIs that provide the raw data, and then they have the kind of humans be able to come in and kind of curate and kind of improve the content. We have a restaurant chain that has, they use Sanity to model their menus. So they can have them on like trays and screens and kiosks and apps wherever they need it. But then this is kind of also powered by an ERP system, like a logistics system that knows about prices, branches, uh, nutritional information. So they kind of, with our content APIs, we can kind of integrate these things in real time. And these kind of synchronization jobs and, and machines can work at the same time as people are editing. And this is not kind of, this emerged kind of in real time. We really wanted to have a nice offering for people who needed translations. So we found a nice company called Transifex in Palo Alto, I think, which has a great service. We don't want to make that kind of JAMstack approach. Is Of course, you don't make everything. You try to just kind of integrate with the best providers of services. So we worked with them and found a way to do this. And then we talked to one of our clients, a French travel agency and said, like, would you try, want to try this out? And then they told us, like, oh, TransFX? No, we already did that. So they had <laughs> actually used our APIs and integrated with Transifex and had a full workflow up and running themselves. So plugins on the kind of front end is one nice thing, but then being able to kind of have this kind of mesh of different content services beyond just different front ends is the really powerful promise of this kind of paradigm of content infrastructure.
2: Excellent. Simon and Knut, I appreciate you coming on to chat about sanity. I'm going to shift our conversation into jam picks. So these are things that keep you going. These could be music, food, entertainment, code stuff, all of the above. Nothing's off limits. And if you don't mind, I did mention offline that I was going to have you go first, but I have my pick already. It says not in the notes. And my pick is my tabletop dishwasher. Now, you're probably thinking, listener, dishwashers are, they've been around forever. And that is true, but not in the places I rent. Since I've been in the Bay Area, I've always lived in some old building that doesn't have a dishwasher, and I doubt I would get my landlord to put one in. Also, I was totally fine with uh, washing dishes when it was just me and my wife, but now I have two kids and we eat a lot too as well. So it takes a lot of time to wash dishes. I have to protect my hands because I have to use these the right code too as well, so I can't burn them or anything like that. So I I went on Amazon and when I recently moved uh, a few months back and bought a dishwasher that sits on your tabletop and attaches to your sink, there's so many of these out there, so I don't even know what brand they have, but it's pretty sweet because it washes dishes. And uh, I think in a summary, everything that we've been talking about so far in this podcast, like it got my sanity back. I no longer spend nights and evenings and weekends
0: washing dishes. I just throw them in there and push the button. And If you want a tabletop dishwasher, I think you get a good one. I remember in my first fight, I had one as well, and it used to electrocute all of us. It was like a, oh, nice. <laughs> like a death trap. So get a nice one.
2: Okay, yeah. Or write better
1: tests, uh, dishwasher companies.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: And this was it doesn't have to connect to the internet, right?
0: No, no, this one it, doesn't. This it connects to ground through your heart.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too many dependencies if I had to connect it to my, my Alexa or something. No, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go the extra mile for that one. So Simon, do you want to talk about your picks next?
0: Yeah, so I wasn't sure about the genre here, so I have two. I have one, uh, I'm really into biking. and uh, There's a new category of bikes this last year called gravel bikes. They're kind of a mashup between uh, mountain bikes and road bikes to kind of get some, uh, a bit of both, and I really want one, but they're still quite expensive. So I'm looking for there's a Polish brand that I'm looking at. Oh, nice. And on the other hand, it's really, uh, I think, like WebAssembly is, of course, nice, and they are starting to make this run on the server side. And I'm really looking forward to be able to safely run our user's code inside our services, really embedding, because this makes like any programming language an embeddable uh, scripting language. I really look forward to being able to play with that inside Sanity.
2: Excellent. Knut, you, do you want to go for
1: your, your picks now? Yeah, it's quite a, like a developer pick. Yesterday, we got some good news, uh, namely that Code Sandbox.io they got some money. Yes. And Code Sandbox is it's like they're running VS Code inside of your browser, and now they have extensions and all that. Uh, I guess Microsoft also announced VS Code online or something. But I was, he's like 20 or something is awfully young for having done this uh, with this yeah. small small team. I didn't realize it was so young, <laughs> but I, I remember I've seen the project around for a while though. And now they have like server-side stuff and so for me as a developer advocate, I every day I'm I'm quoting some example for someone in support or something. And Code Sandbox is the first tool I, I grab to just share it with with people. And I'm I'm so happy that they got some seed funding so they can like hire more people and not Work themselves to death. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing
2: what they're going to be shipping after now that they have their funded and going to grow into, I guess, a real company. Well, I'm not sure how how much of a real company they were before they got funded, but anyway, that's only speculation until I find out. But yeah, um, Simon, commit. Thank you very much for coming on and talking uh, on Jamstack Radio about your very jammy product that you're working on. Thank you. And uh, listeners, uh, definitely check out Sanity.io/create, which I guess came out very recently. And start shipping some cool stuff. And uh, also, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about HeavyBit, visit HeavyBit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders.